On March 31, 1981, a group of friends gathered in the Hollywood living room of publicist John Wilson. The 53rd Academy Awards would be airing that night, but this group planned to honor the year's films with a different award. Wilson called them the Golden Raspberry Awards. His goal was to pay respect to the very worst motion pictures of the previous year. And there was one movie that was universally hated, Stanley Kubrick's horror film, The Shining. Not one reviewer liked the film, nor did they understand it. It was brightly lit, slow-moving, and nothing like the grindhouse slasher movies of the 70s. This led some viewers and critics to wonder if there was some hidden meaning to the film. It was possible that Kubrick was using The Shining as a tool to reveal some of his deepest secrets and beliefs. Some viewers felt drawn to watch the film again and again, but couldn't explain why. To them, the film seemed to hide something even darker than the horror depicted on screen. And it wasn't limited to the film industry or even America overall. It was a commentary on 20th century humanity. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our second episode on Hollywood Horrors, where we explore the theories surrounding the most terrifying cult classics ever made. This episode, we'll hear about Stanley Kubrick's horror masterpiece, The Shining. Adapted from a novel by Stephen King, Kubrick left a trail of inconsistencies and symbolic clues scattered through the movie. Fans believed Kubrick used the film as a code to send an important message. Today, we'll look at some of the possible messages the director might have weaved into the picture. Like conspiracy theory number one, that The Shining is a film about the Holocaust. Or conspiracy theory number two, Kubrick used The Shining to imply that man never made it to the moon and that he helped fake the Apollo 11 moon landings. And conspiracy theory number three. The Shining isn't about the murder of one family. It's a broader commentary on the genocide of all Native Americans. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. Dealing with pests is a pain. But luckily, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. The Shining is about a family. Writer Jack Torrance, his wife Wendy, and their son Danny. They move into the Overlook Hotel in Colorado as off-season caretakers when Jack plans to write a novel. The hotel is isolated, eerie, and foreboding. Basically a gigantic empty mansion in the dead of winter. There's no other person to be seen for miles. Of course, this quaint writer's retreat doesn't quite go as planned. It's a horror film, after all. Violence, hallucinations, and hauntings plague the family until the shocking conclusion. When history professor Jeffrey Cox saw The Shining for the first time, he was thrilled by the story, but he also noticed a strange detail in one of the scenes, which happens as Jack writes on his typewriter. During a close-up on the typewriter, Cox saw a small eagle plastered across its face. It was the logo of the Adler Company. Adler, in German, means eagle. But Cox knew that the eagle wasn't just the symbol at one point in German history. The eagle was a symbol of the Nazis. This brings us to our first conspiracy theory. The Shining is actually about the horrors of the Holocaust. As a director, Stanley Kubrick was notoriously controlling, a perfectionist if you ever saw one. During the filming of The Shining, he even set a world record for doing 127 versions of a single shot. In a Kubrick film, nothing is by accident. Professor Cox believed that if Kubrick used a German typewriter, it was for a reason. On subsequent viewings, he noticed other patterns, like the number 42. Throughout the film, 42 pops up again and again. It's the number on Danny's jersey when he has his first vision, a river of blood pouring from elevator doors. Wendy watches the film Summer of 42 while lounging at the hotel. Finally, a news report playing on the TV in the background mentions a $42 million spending bill. 
As an expert on Nazi Germany, Professor Cox recognized that 42 was a significant number in the context of World War II. For example, the Nazis began the Holocaust, which they called the Final Solution, in January 1942. These clues about eagles and numbers might seem like nothing on their own. However, they add up once we understand a little more about Kubrick's background. In the early 1900s, Kubrick's Jewish grandparents immigrated from Poland to the United States. A few decades later, Kubrick was born in 1928. As a young teenager in New York City, he heard gruesome details about the Nazis in Poland. Specifically, they were targeting Jews from the region that his family was from. Kubrick was curious about his Polish lineage and the brutality against Jews. As an adult, Kubrick dove headfirst into the subject. He read historian Raoul Hilberg's book, The Destruction of the European Jews. Hilberg emphasized the mechanical, bureaucratic way that the Jewish people were exterminated. The Nazis' evil process relied on checklists and paperwork, which was carried out on typewriters. The Nazis obsessively cataloged their victims. They recorded the names of those who died in the camps in what they called the death book. The typewriter in The Shining is a symbol of this record-keeping, and by proxy of this theory, the mechanical way so many people were murdered. Cox argued that Kubrick made The Shining because he wanted to make a film about the Holocaust. However, the subject of systematic murder was so disturbing that he had to hide it in the tropes of a slasher movie. It wasn't that Kubrick hadn't tried to make a film about the Holocaust outright. In 1975, four years before he made The Shining, Kubrick reached out to writers to collaborate on a script about the Holocaust. Many turned him down, daunted by the subject matter, and as he poured through stories to adapt, nothing satisfied him. Finally, Kubrick discovered the 1991 novel Wartime Lies, it was about a Polish Jew, just like him, who was disguised as a Catholic to save his life during the war. Kubrick wrote a film adaptation called The Aryan Papers. More interestingly, though, Kubrick did most of the research alone, which was very uncharacteristic of him. It may be that he didn't want to work on something so personal with someone else. But in 1993, Kubrick gave up. The Aryan Papers script was never finished. After his death, his wife, Christiana Kubrick, shed light on the reason he quit. According to her, Kubrick had been terribly depressed the entire time he worked on the story. He was possibly just too close to the subject matter, or he was simply overwhelmed by the emotional toll of a Holocaust project. In 1980, Kubrick called war correspondent Michael Hare to chat about film ideas. Kubrick told him, quote, What I most wanted to make was a film about the Holocaust, but good luck in putting all that into a two-hour movie. This was proof that Kubrick fervently desired to helm a movie about the Holocaust, but found it too difficult to tell the story directly. However, right in the midst of his research, Stephen King released a horror novel called The Shining. Kubrick quickly swept up the book option and started production just a year later. The speed of production on The Shining made it seem like Kubrick had prepared for years. Perhaps Kubrick never actually gave up on his dream. 
Maybe he did make a movie about the Holocaust, but cloaked it within an entirely different story. As he said to his friend over the phone, the Holocaust was too great a tragedy to pack into a mere Hollywood film. Instead, Kubrick found a creative way to speak about man's capacity for violence, metaphor. The visual symbols, like the eagle and the number 42, were just one element. And more allusions to the Holocaust are hidden in the film's sound. The movie opens with a foreboding classical song, which sets the tone for the rest of the film. This piece is actually the music from a European Catholic funeral mass. It seemed Kubrick was alluding to a wave of death in Europe, like the Holocaust. Kubrick also played nearly nine minutes of a piece from Hungarian composer Béla Bartók. This song was written partly to protest a creeping fascism in 1930s Europe. Kubrick juxtaposed the anti-fascist meaning of the song with a very important moment in the film. The song plays when Jack first starts to write on his German Adler typewriter, and the methodic, clicking keys echo like marching boots. With so many symbolic references to one of the darkest times in modern history, Kubrick definitely seems to allude to the Holocaust in The Shining. However, it's hard to tell whether it's intentional or not. Perhaps Kubrick just wanted to bring in musical motifs from the time period, and Kubrick continued trying to make the Aryan Papers a decade later. If The Shining was really his Holocaust film, it doesn't make much sense that Kubrick would try to make another one. Because of that, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the absolute truth, I'll give this theory a 4 out of 10. Just because it's not intentional doesn't mean it's not true. I think a film's message has more to do with the viewer than the creator. Based on so many hidden details and Kubrick's Jewish background, the film could definitely be read as a Holocaust allegory. I'll give this theory a 6 out of 10. While Professor Cox saw a metaphor about the Holocaust in The Shining, other audiences spotted an entirely different message. To them, the film hinted at a massive government cover-up. Coming up, Kubrick's potential revelation of a classified secret. Hello, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we're the hosts of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. You may know us from the very creepy and excellent podcast Red Handed, but now we've teamed up with Parcast for an unprecedented look at history's most nefarious groups. Some preach extreme religious practices, others warn of impending doom. And then there are those whose endgame is far more diabolical. Every Tuesday on Sinister Societies, we take a peek behind the curtain and discover the most ominous organizations the world may or may not have known. Learn how entrepreneurial sects made fortunes off their brand, how charismatic cult leaders caught the eye of celebrities, and why strange orders of the extraterrestrial or collegiate kind attract the most unlikely of followers. Some groups convene in the shadows, others operate in plain sight, all are absolutely sinister. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life, at least 
not the ones you're thinking of, but they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home, like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of bug it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. And with over 95 years of experience, it's no wonder they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Now back to the story. Though Stanley Kubrick's horror epic The Shining was released in 1980, the film might actually hold more secrets about the decades before it. In the 1960s, the United States and the Soviet Union jockeyed to become the dominant superpower on Earth. Both countries tried to surpass the other's technological achievements, especially in space travel. While NASA's Apollo program began and set the goal to reach the moon in 1961, it wasn't until 1969 that Apollo 11 finally landed on its surface. The astronauts even brought a camera to record the experience. However, not everyone was convinced that the moon landing was real. Some viewers noted inconsistencies in the footage that pointed to an alarming possibility. The Apollo 11 landing may have been staged. But if NASA did fake the moon landing, they would have needed an expert filmmaker and master of special effects to pull it off. An expert like Stanley Kubrick. This brings us to conspiracy theory number two. The Shining contains Stanley Kubrick's stunning confession that the U.S. never made it to the moon. Instead, the government hired him to fake the footage. During Kubrick's sci-fi film 2001, A Space Odyssey, Kubrick pioneered the use of a special effect called front screen projection. He shot his actors in front of a large reflective display. Using the display, the film crew shined a photo of a South African landscape onto the screen behind the actors. This allowed Kubrick to achieve a very lifelike image without ever having to visit the actual location. Some theorists believe that's why NASA gave Kubrick a call. The space agency knew that in order to pull off a fake moon landing, the footage would have to be extremely lifelike. 2001 A Space Odyssey proved that Kubrick was the director for the job. When looking at the Apollo 11 footage, viewer Jay Widener saw evidence of the trickery. In every shot, the horizon seems to be strategically placed behind shadows of rocks. To him, these shadows seem to obscure the break between the real-life staged foreground and the projected background of space. Widener also saw the letter C written on one of the moon rocks in black marker, an indication that it was a mere prop. He noted silhouettes in the sky that resembled stage lights, and strange reflections appeared in the helmets that seemed to show the camera crew. Widener suspected that if Kubrick orchestrated this massive lunar deception, he would have felt guilt. However, Kubrick knew that if he told anyone, it would likely violate his secret contract and risk unthinkable punishment. Therefore, Widener believed Kubrick tried to clear his conscience and admit his betrayal with another film, 
and The Shining has a wealth of clues to prove it. According to Widener, The Shining is an allegory. Jack Torrance, who represented Kubrick, made a deal with the hotel manager, an authority figure. In order to continue doing his work, Jack had to protect the resort, which stood for America, through the winter. And in the 1960s, the winter, of course, meant the Cold War. Widener claimed Kubrick used costumes and production design to underscore this metaphor. When Jack sat down with the manager of the Overlook Hotel, the manager wore red, white, and blue. A small American flag perched on his desk. And behind his right shoulder, a wood sculpture of an American eagle. The national symbol hovered over his head. These seem to be clues that the manager represented the U.S. government. As we watched Jack make a deal, we were actually watching Kubrick agree to work with NASA and fake the landing. Therefore, Widener claims the film is about Kubrick, who makes a deal with the U.S. government to safeguard America's interests against the Soviet Union. By filming the moon landing, Kubrick helped the U.S. safeguard its technological secrets from the Soviets, just as Jack protected the hotel. Widener has more evidence, too. For instance, images of stuffed bears appear frequently throughout the film. And at one pivotal moment, Danny sees a man wearing a grotesque bear suit with a weird humanoid face. As we mentioned previously, Kubrick was a perfectionist. If he included a certain animal, it was for a reason. To Widener, the explanation is clear. The bear is a symbol of Russia. By including images of bears, Kubrick is alluding to the looming Soviet threat during the space race. If Kubrick didn't follow through on his word, the Russian bear was waiting, poised to attack. Widener also pointed to one of the most famous images from The Shining, the ghostly twin girls. From 1965 to 1966, NASA launched a new program to prepare for the Apollo missions. It was called the Gemini Program, and astrologically, the Gemini sign is represented by a symbol of twins. Widener believed that Kubrick included the twin girls in The Shining as a metaphor for the Gemini missions. It was as if the ghosts of NASA's achievements haunted Kubrick in the same way the girls haunted the hotel. Perhaps the most convincing proof, though, that The Shining was a confession for faking the moon landing showed up later in the film. It was a clever combination of costume and set design in one particular scene. In this famous sequence, Jack's son Danny wears a very special sweater. It has a bold design with yellow stars and a big white spaceship with the words Apollo 11 USA, obviously a reference to the moon landing. Not only that, but during the scene, Kubrick uses a bird's eye angle to show the carpet with a red hexagonal pattern. At first glance, it looks like any other decoration. However, Widener analyzed the strange pattern and found something striking. According to him, the pattern exactly matches an overhead view of Launch Complex 39A at the Kennedy Space Center. This was the launch pad that the Apollo 11 rocket blasted off from in 1969. In the scene, Danny stands up, so with the rocket on his sweater, it looks like the Saturn V rocket blasting off from the 39A launch pad 
taking off for the moon. Next, Danny draws closer to room 237, the mysterious off-limits hotel suite. However, in the book version, it's room 217, not 237. Widener believed Kubrick made the change as a very specific hint, because the average distance from the Earth to the moon was 237,000 miles. Kubrick countered this claim later, though. He said the lodge where the movie was filmed asked him to change the number so future guests wouldn't be frightened. Since there was no Suite 237 at the location, Kubrick used that number instead. Also, the actual distance to the moon is closer to 239,000 miles, not 237,000. However, there are other moments that seem to reveal Kubrick's feelings of guilt. For instance, when Wendy confronts Jack, he says, quote, Does it matter to you at all that the owners have put their complete confidence and trust in me, that I have signed an agreement, a contract, in which I have accepted that responsibility? To Widener, that line sounded like Kubrick coping with the weight of his secret contract. And even though he promised to look after the U.S.'s interests, the guilt got to him. The Shining is steeped in isolation and silence, and Jack's encroaching madness could represent Kubrick's building regret. There is enough symbolism in the film that I'll give this theory a 2 out of 10. It's possible Kubrick was referencing a moon landing cover-up. I'm not as convinced. While there are a lot of coincidences hidden in the details of The Shining, we also tied some of those same symbols back to our first theory, like the eagle. Overall, one man's analysis isn't enough to sway me into believing that the entire moon landing was faked. This theory gets a 1 out of 10 from me. While the Apollo 11 theory was definitely out of this world, the plot of The Shining was equally outrageous. Violence, murder, and a river of blood filled the halls of the Overlook Hotel. Kubrick was fascinated with violence, and our next theory deals heavily with death. But it's not limited to the scope of the characters in the film. Kubrick might have been referring to an American genocide. Coming up, a real-life bloodbath. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. The Shining is one of the most well-respected horror films ever made. But Kubrick left its true meaning ambiguous. Some theorized it was an allegory about the Holocaust, while others believed it was a confession for staging the Apollo 11 footage. When Kubrick was asked directly, he said it was about a man who tries to kill his family. But family has many meanings. This brings us to our third and final conspiracy theory. The Shining is about the European colonization of North America, and the genocide of the indigenous people who already live there. Journalist Bill Blakemore thought one of the most impressive hints at this theory occurred at the beginning of the film. As the Torrance family walked into the Overlook Hotel, 
the manager explained its history. He said, quote, The hotel is built on an old Indian burial ground, and I believe they actually had to repel a few Indian attacks as they were building it. From this line, Blakemore theorized that the Overlook Hotel is a stand-in for the United States. The country was founded on land that was originally inhabited by indigenous people. With a combination of guns, swords, and disease, early explorers slaughtered most of the native populations. While it might be uneasy to think about, Kubrick wanted us to remember that America wasn't really a new world. The ground beneath our feet contained a dark history, a so-called burial ground. Another interesting aspect of this clue is that the manager's line never appeared in the original book. Kubrick specifically added the entire plot point. If the burial ground wasn't important, he wouldn't have added it, especially not in such an obvious line. In another scene, the hotel chef gave the family a tour of the massive kitchens. He cataloged the food available, rib roasts, pork roasts, hamburgers, and turkeys. This was an intriguing inclusion to Blakemore. Blakemore noted that the hamburgers and whole turkeys were distinctly American foods. When the English settlers arrived in Plymouth, Massachusetts, they supposedly sat at a long table with the Wampanoag tribe. The two cultures shared a meal, and the holiday Thanksgiving now commemorates this gathering. To Blakemore, the turkey was a subtle nod to the Thanksgiving story and the horrific aftermath. After the arrival of the settlers, disease decimated an estimated 90% of Native Americans in the state of Colorado. And just a generation later, the indigenous peoples and settlers waged a bloody war. It seemed that Kubrick drew attention with a metaphor. The Overlook Hotel was America, land stolen from the now-dead Native Americans. He then pointed to why colonizers wanted to take over the so-called New World, a wealth of resources like food. As the film continues, the Overlook Hotel is also adorned with Native American artwork. Indigenous wall hangings and even a drawing of a chief wearing a headdress line the walls. The lodge draws customers in with its native mystique. The culture surrounds the characters like ghosts, but not one living Native American is present in the film. With this, Kubrick alluded to how the colonizer often appropriates customs from subjugated people only to profit off them. But not all Native American imagery in The Shining is hotel decoration. Blakemore noted that there were cans of calumet baking powder in the kitchen. The word calumet meant peace pipe, and the brand sported a very specific logo, a bright red Native American chief. The first time we see this design is at a critical moment in the film. In a shocking scene, the hotel chef speaks to Danny using telepathy and offers a peace pipe of sorts. He says, How'd you like some ice cream, Doc? And prominently displayed behind the chef is the Calumet baking powder. Later, the chef gives Danny a warning. He says that when bad things happen, they leave something behind. According to Blakemore, these were, quote, ghosts from the very real horrors that have happened in America. Danny encounters one of those bad things early in the film. It's an iconic image. 
two elevators framed in Native American artwork with their doors shut. Then, a flood of thick red liquid pours out from the cracks. Blood careens down the hallway, carrying the furniture with it. Eventually, it overwhelms the camera and drowns the viewer. However, as Blakemore pointed out, the scene has absolutely no sound. It is a silent nightmare and an overwhelming metaphor. To Blakemore, this blood came from the burial ground. And despite our desire to keep the doors shut, the voices silent, it nonetheless squeezed out. It's just as the chef warned. No matter how we try to cover the horrors of the past, they find a way into our present. The Shining is also famous for its eerie, ambiguous ending. Kubrick slowly zooms into an old black and white photo on the wall. In the picture, Jack poses in front of a large party. But strangely, the caption reads, Overlook Hotel, July 4th Ball, 1921, nearly 60 years before the film's setting. It's almost as if Jack lived in two eras at once. And frustratingly, it's never explained before the film's credits roll. But Blakemore again offered an explanation. Kubrick wanted to show that American violence, represented by Jack, is nothing new. It spans decades. And the occasion that Kubrick chose for the ball was Independence Day, a holiday usually celebrated in neighborhoods and backyards. To Blakemore, Kubrick was saying that brutality has been with the United States since its birth on July 4th. Like the partygoers in the photo, Americans celebrate independence every year, but there was no independence for the Native Americans. Not only was freedom built on murder, it was built because of it. Blakemore outlined other clues in the film that point towards this message. But the biggest piece of evidence isn't even in the movie. It's in the poster. When studios released the film in Europe, they employed a punchy slogan. At the top of the advertisement for the movie, a slogan said, The wave of terror that swept across America is here. That doesn't sound too strange at first. When movies play well in American theaters, marketers often want to capitalize on the success as they move to Europe. There's only one problem with this idea. At the time of this poster, the film had yet to be released in the U.S. Sure, false advertising is definitely a thing, but Blakemore argued that the wave of terror wasn't referring to the movie itself. It meant the settlers that conquered North America. The slogan ends ominously. As it said, the horror is here in Europe, not just America. Whether in British territories or Nazi concentration camps, man's desire for power and murder is ubiquitous and cyclical. Kubrick explained that his film was about a man that tries to kill his family. But the filmmaker was fascinated by the question of violence, why we perpetuate hate and brutality against our fellow humans. Blakemore theorized that Kubrick didn't mean a single family. He meant, in actuality, the family of man. There seems to be evidence that Kubrick is alluding to the genocide of Native Americans, even more than for our first theory. Considering the Native American artwork dotting the Overlook Hotel, I'll give this theory a 4 out of 10. I agree for the most part. 
However, the indigenous art styles could have been due to the production designer's goal to accurately portray a lodge in Colorado. But even if the native decor was just a stylistic choice, the theme of American violence and its horrifying cycle is still very much part of the film. Therefore, I'll give this a 6 out of 10. Maybe the most amazing thing about The Shining isn't that Kubrick managed to make a horror film that meant something. Perhaps it's that it could mean so many different things. What makes it captivating is not knowing the answer. As Kubrick said himself, if you tell people what things mean, they don't mean anything anymore. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back Monday with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Billy Pace, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Ben Caro, with writing assistance by Andrew Messer and Mackenzie Moore. Fact-checking by Anya Bairley and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. You aren't supposed to know about them. Unless they want you to. Powerful groups with their own very specific agendas. And if you find yourself on the inside, good luck getting out. Hi, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Join us every Tuesday for our new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. Whether it's doomsday predictions, deadly greed or world domination... Each week, we're exposing the beliefs and actions of the most ominous organisations the world may or may not have known. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.